0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted Social Distancing Style from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here both from Lambeau Field. Wes is actually across the hall from me in an office. I am in the 1265 studio. But Weston, since we last spoke, the Packers have had two training camp practices in pads out at Ray Nitschke Field, another one awaiting after this uh, episode post at Lambeau Field. But in the first two padded practices, want to get thoughts on just your observations, things that stood out to
1: you. We'll start on the defensive side of the ball. Well, the thing that stood out to me so far is Adrian Amos is just making play after play (laughs) after play. Yeah, he is. Uh, You wrote about it uh, really well in our Five Things Learned story on Tuesday. I touched on it again in our five things learn story on Wednesday. And honestly, Mike, there's just there's so many good things you can say about Adrian Amos right now. Because first, he's the most veteran guy now in that defensive backs room that Tremont Williams isn't actually here at the moment, uh, when unsigned to this point. So they need him to be a leader. They need him to be a guy that you're going to be able to count on uh, to to be the guy that sets the tone in that room. And I really feel like he's set the tone in practice so far. He had the diving interception on Tuesday. He comes back on Wednesday. He looks in a nice deep ball, positioned himself well. Uh, Aaron Rodgers trying to test that that second and third level of the defense. And Amos came right up. And I I felt like that was an early team period Packers didn't have a lot of them on Wednesday and it really did sort of set the tone for that defense. Adrian Amos, uh, he's a guy that, again, we talk so much about the Smiths, but when they drafted him, they felt like this is a guy that's going to need to, not really need to, but has his best years ahead of him and they're going to see him make some maturation and some improvements. And I think going into year two, you're starting to see that.
0: Yeah. It's pretty clear that these first two days in pads, I think the defensive backfield is the one position group on the roster that has probably stood out more than any other. Now, that's not to say that Aaron Rodgers can't complete a pass or Tim Boyle or Jordan Love can't complete a pass. I mean, the offense is making their share of plays too, but the number of pass deflections and the interceptions that the defense has gotten in some of these early practices, they definitely stand out. Kevin King had one uh, uh, the other day too, where Rodgers tried to you know, float one over the top of his head to Robert Tanyan, you know, going towards the back corner and Kevin King, all six three plus of him with those lanky long arms. He just reached up and hauled it in right at the goal line for an interception. Very reminiscent of uh, of a couple of his interceptions from last year in the regular season, actually. And as you know, Wes, there, there's a lot of behind the starting, the, the starting four and really starting five, if you count Chandon Sullivan as the, as the main nickel cornerback right now, but Beyond beyond that frontline group, there's a lot of competition in there for the other spots and other roles. You know, when you're talking about Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, other guys like that, Raven Green in the secondary, along with uh, Vernon Scott, the young uh, rookie out of TCU who's made a couple plays on the ball early on here in camp. Um, I've been impressed so far with Josh Jackson, and I know it's just a couple of days, but this is a, a young man who's got a lot of talent and a lot of ability had really kind of just a whole setback second season when the, the injury early on. And, you know, through training camp, he wasn't able to get back to where he was as, as a rookie coming out of Iowa as a second round pick. And he's looking to, uh, you know, to, to make some more inroads and and get back to where he was when he started his career in very promising fashion.
1: Yeah. And if, you know, we could bring up the video, you actually asked me that question earlier in one of the off season on who would you say would potentially be a breakout candidate for the Packers this year? And my answer, and I think yours also was as well, was Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson had about as nightmarish of a 2019 as you could ask for. He suffers that really strange foot injury before he comes back when he reports. So he's actually NFI when he actually starts the season. Um, So he ends up being behind the eight ball there. So then what happens next? Well, He's, a, he's not able to be the next guy up when opportunities do present themselves in the secondary. So he very rarely played on defense. There was one game where he was a healthy scratch completely. So, and then to throw in late in the season, unfortunately, he also lost his father. I, I can't imagine just how difficult that season was for him. But what impressed me with him, and one of the reasons why I felt like he was primed to be a breakout candidate is, the way he carried himself. He didn't hang his head. He didn't make excuses. He actually was going to Jason Simmons asking if he could take snaps at safety. He was just trying to find an outlet to get back onto the field. And through this week, Mike, he's made some plays. He's had some Mm -hmm. nice pass deflections. He had that one deep ball against him when MVS was able to connect with Tim Boyle, the first practice. But since then, he's been pretty lights out. And there was one snap in particular on Tuesday that really, I thought, showed his Development. It was that red zone period where Aaron Rodgers only really threw the ball because it's the, the end of that drill. They want to make sure that you actually get a rep out of it. Nobody was open, but that was because of some of the coverage that Jackson had on Devontae Adams in single coverage. And then when Rodgers did throw the fade, Jackson was able to deflect it really impressed by that young man. And he's going to need to be a factor here. The Packers know they're not going to be able to just get through a season with their starting three quarterbacks and everything's going to be hunky-dory. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have adversity. And the fact that Tremont Williams isn't here right now, I actually think speaks to the comfort level right now with Josh Jackson and those young corners to potentially be the next men up.
0: Yeah. one last thing on the secondary too, before we move on with We know we've talked a lot about that combination at corner with Jair Alexander and Kevin King and what that has always meant to the defense over the last couple of years when they've been on the field together. You mentioned Adrian Amos at the top of the show, and I couldn't agree more with the way he's looked in terms of the playmaking, the leadership, you know, settling in here in his second year in Green Bay. I'm really curious how this safety tandem Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage is gonna develop, because Amos is a guy who's he's he's quiet, he's kind of soft spoken, but definitely becoming a leader and as you said, the the veteran guy in the room. And then Darnell Savage being a year two First round draft pick guy, you know his arrow is pointing up. You know he's not a finished product yet. That combination, Amos and Savage as the uh, as the starting safeties, that could start to be as as an as intriguing a combination in some ways as the corners on the outside with King and Alexander.
1: Yeah, that's the great thing too about Adrian Amos. I love that quote he had when he spoke to the media on Wednesday. You don't always want you rah rah guys. I mean that <laughs> yeah. there, there's something to be said for that at times, but. The reality is that it's kind of one. It's hard to keep that energy day in and day out, and that tends to not be very balanced. It tends to not be even keel. You need to be able to, you know, have that that level headedness that's what he provides. So i am just, I feel like he was the right guy at the right time for the right defense with Mike Patton, trying to change the culture. They're trying to find a new way with the Morgan Burnett, ha Clinton Dix era ending. They needed to find a new path. That path is Adrian Amos and it's going to be Darnell Savage And much like Amos, when he was a very young guy sort of shepherding uh, when you go back to Eddie Jackson and what he did in Chicago, there's a lot of parallels now between what he's being asked to do here in green Bay But the thing I like about it is I still think there's a lot of his own untapped potential playmaking ability that could be there. And with Jerry Gray now directing that secondary, you start to get a feel. You asked the question yourself today. You start to get the feel there that, Yeah, these guys are going to be ball hawking a little bit more, and those opportunities are going to be there for Adrian Amos to make an impact.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up about Chicago and Eddie Jackson when he came in from Alabama and joined Amos, a young safety from Penn State, and what they developed uh, there in Chicago. So definitely uh, something to watch moving forward. Switching gears to the offensive side of the ball, these first couple of padded workouts, Wes, what has stood out to you?
1: Well, there's a lot that has stood out to me, Mike. I, I Just to quickly touch on A.J. Dillon again, I know we made so many remarks about the thighs and the, the quads and all that, his <laughs> lower half, yeah. but the thing I love about him is just the way he runs. And you can see what he's in through traffic, why he's going to be so difficult for the opposing team to actually be able to stop. It's an incredible skill set that he has, and he's very decisive when he hits the, hits the hole. Now to branch off of that a little bit, Jamal Williams spoke to the media on Wednesday and he was asked the question. I think a lot of people were wondering this offseason. They got AJ Dillon. What does that mean for the snaps of these guys? What's going to happen there? How are you going to be able to divvy all this up? And Jamal Williams, I think, Mike, as you would expect, he played it pretty cool. He's a, he's a guy that he's not going to let that kind of stuff bother him. As he said, he just loves to play the game. And I love the analogy that he used when he was doing that. He said, it does remind you a lot of high school football. Again, it reminds you where there's a lot of playmakers. So when you get your opportunities, you have to make the most of them. And again, it's going to be another month before we see any of these guys hitting the field. I, I have to wonder, Mike, it's, I just feel like they're still going to find a role for all these guys that don't ask me what the yeah. splits are going to be or who's going to be in what situation. But Matt, Lafleur, this wasn't a fluke, man. He said it in February. He wanted a third headed monster, a three headed monster, a third head to that equation. A.G. Dillon's that guy. And you also have a, you know, a Swiss army knife there like Tyler Irvin in the mix as well. I think Jamal Williams is going to get plenty of opportunities and Mike, I don't want to jinx anything. And I feel like I won't be because we're still a month away from the start of the regular season. 472 consecutive touches right now for Jamal Williams without a fumble in the National Football League. An exceptional mark, something that's incredibly difficult to achieve.
0: And if he does fumble... I'm going to blame you for bringing it up on the show. I'm just kidding. you, But, uh, no, I, I, what's going to happen with this Packers backfield really will be interesting to watch. As you said, Matt LaFleur has made, you know, no bones about the fact that he wants to run the ball. He wants to have options. You talk about, you know, Tyler Irvin as a, as a gadget type option. You've got a power guy, like, like AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams, a power back in his own right. Dylan, certainly I was talking with Larry about this during our three things video. Dylan is also just shifty and quick for such a big guy too it's just it's such an interesting combination an, an interesting package of of attributes that he brings and then of course we all know what Aaron Jones can do and I mean quite frankly, Aaron Jones is the one with the uh uh you know the the toughest act to follow of his own so to speak when you score twenty three touchdowns in eighteen games and then you know, your your front office brings in a second round draft pick at running back to possibly take some touches away from you. But that being said, that's what the Packers want. They want to have options. You want to have a guy, obviously you don't want anybody to get hurt, but if somebody does go down for a game or a short period of time, you just want to have other guys that you can count on that, you know, can step in and get the job done. And the offense doesn't have to you know, tear a whole chunk of the playbook out and throw it away just because somebody got hurt. That's what Matt LaFleur is after in this offense. And uh, he believes he's going to have the weapons in the backfield to get it done.
1: And, and God bless Trey Carson, uh, you know, a very hardworking guy that's made it was his own way, a very difficult way in the NFL. But the Packers at one point last season had to call him up from the practice squad. And he actually ended up like carrying the ball in a game that following weekend. That's not the way you draw it up. That isn't the way you want to have to do this thing. You want to have options. The Packers have given themselves that with AJ Dillon. The one thing I love is the fact that Mike, you and I know what inbox was like that week and two after the draft, people saying, why did they draft a running back? What is the point of all this? They needed a receiver. They needed everything other than a running back. And then it's just, it's, it's kind of, it made me laugh a little bit that the last two weeks here, everybody's talking about his thighs, Dylan's thighs, and his upside. People have him in the Hall of Fame already. It, it's just the, the way that narratives swing. Uh, it's it's hilarious. Yeah, it's
0: it's you know it's training camp. Everybody's uh, everybody's <laughs> just excited to be actually seeing player football players out on a practice field, but that being said another position group and I know we've talked about it a little bit already but where things are going to go at tight end here for the packers is going to be very interesting you know you've got mercedes lewis the 15 year veteran you know the guy he's sort of taking all of these young guys under his his big wings and he's got a lot of experience, a lot of of savvy, a lot of knowledge to be able to share. But, you know, you've got Robert Tanyan, you have Jay Sternberger, you have the rookie Josiah DeGuire, you have Evan Bayless, all of these very, very young guys. And, you know, hats off to Robert Tanyan. I think he's gotten off to a great start here early on in training camp and he certainly wants to keep it going. But, uh, you know, I can see a lot of these guys, Wes, getting snaps and finding roles in this offense for Matt LaFleur, much like the backfield. We don't know exactly how it's going to shake out, but it sort of feels like a lot of these guys are going to find their way onto the field and be able to play.
1: Yeah. I mean, the one given is that Mercedes Lewis is going to get his snaps this year. There's going to be packages that he's he's built for. Some of their two tight end looks, you want to have a guy like him on the field. And he is a guy that has Aaron Rodgers confidence. The rest of that is going to be determined. And I think the way I look at this right now, Mike, is a lot like how Mike McCarthy used to always handle his running backs, where it's going to be by committee. But if a guy establishes himself, a guy sort of separates himself from the rest of the pack, that guy's going to get the snaps. I could very well see that being the case with the rest of those tight ends with Robert Tanyan, Jay Sternberger. And then certainly uh, you you also have Josiah DeGuara who's going to probably fit in multiple roles. And and to give credit where credit is due, Evan Bayless is a guy who played some snaps last year too. He was sort of the guy that was the backup for Mercedes Lewis and some of those those blocking tight end packages. So all four of those guys uh, are going to be in the mix here to find some playing time. But who's going to be the guy that sort of grabs that brass ring To touch on Tanya for a second, you wrote about it on Packers.com. He had a phenomenal performance against Dallas last season, that huge catch, arguably the most competitive, best catch he's had of his young career, and then he unfortunately ends up sustaining that hip injury. So what does that mean? That means it set him back. He wasn't able to have that breakthrough that I think a lot of people were hoping to get out of him where he became that legitimate third option, especially with Jay Sternberger on IR for the first half of the season tanyan's back and i felt like he's really filled out his body a little bit more i don't know if there's really much change in terms of what his makeup is but he just looks more like a tight end and he has great size for the position already this is tanyan's big moment he's a guy that has been in the system now for two years he ended the last year uh before that on the practice squad he's been going through these repetitions for so long now I'd really like to see him be able to make that next step. He worked with George Kittle in the offseason. Again, he worked with Oren Burks down in Nashville as well. He's a guy who takes his job incredibly serious. He's been through a lot of adversity in his life to get to this moment. He's the guy, for as much as we talk about Sternberger and DeGuara, and as attractive as those players are as third-round picks, Robert Tanyan's a guy the Packers have invested a lot into, and it's because they believe in him.
0: Well, right now, certainly the Packers are happy to see that uh, that those tight ends are healthy because, as you said, Tanyan had the hip injury last year. It cost him five games. He wasn't really quite 100%, you could tell, in some other games as well. And then Sternberger was on IR for the first half of his rookie year. And I give Sternberger, Sternberger a lot of credit for all of the practice time that he missed as a rookie to actually then be making an impact in the postseason for the Packers, when, you know, I mean, I I can't even, I couldn't even imagine, you know, counting up how many practices he missed. I mean, that amount of time missed as a rookie, normally that, you know, sort of just translates to a redshirt year. And to his credit, it wasn't a redshirt year for him. He, He got in there at the end of the season. They gave him some blocking assignments. Then they started to expand his role a little bit. He made some catches in the postseason. So having both of those guys healthy now, after, after they were both dealing with um, you know, long term, so to speak, from a football season standpoint, injuries um, through 2019. It's uh, it's great to see that group healthy, and you know, Matt Lafleur is happy about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, there has been a shift, and I wrote about it uh, as one of our position by position series previews going into this season. The Packers made a concerted effort here to go young again at tight end. That means being patient. That's mean trusting the process and trusting that development. And once you get there, I think you're seeing a lot of teams in the NFL really benefiting from that approach. So Mercedes Lewis, he's the guy right now. You know, The 36-year-old veteran, 15 NFL seasons, he's going to lead that room. And he's a lot of young guys that I think when you look at what him and Justin Outen, the uh, tight ends coach, just so many different pieces so many talented players that they have to work with and to mentor Uh, The tight end position is going to be huge in Matt LaFleur's offense. it's going to be this year and every year moving forward as long as LaFleur is in Green Bay and uh, seeing which guys emerge out of that that that's going to be something to watch because it's going to have ramifications not just for this season but you know down the line here for who that next guy is going to be in this offense to really become a playmaker.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Well, with that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. But the next time we come to you next week, there'll be a few more practices and some more observations and storylines of training camp to talk about. So until then, for Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody.
1: We'll see you next time.